Hey there, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. I am so glad you're joining me here on the podcast where we like to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is Bible teaching that is in the language of everyday life, connected to everyday life, so that you can follow Jesus in your everyday life. That's the heart and soul behind this. And so I'm glad you're here. Glad you're part of the show, part of the Bible and Life family. Before we jump into today's episode, just a handful of announcements. One is we've picked up a handful of uh, new donors to the ministry and to the show and to the podcast over the last uh, couple of months. And so thank you. Thanks to Katrina and Mitch. Thanks to Brian and Stacy. Uh, thanks to Kathy. Thanks to a handful of people who have jumped in and have, in whatever way they can, support this ministry, support this show. So much of this is a listener-supported ministry and a, a community-funded project between the listeners' commentary, the Bible and Life podcast, the online courses, and even some of the other things that uh, don't get put out there on the internet. So much of this uh, relies on people's generosity. So thank you so, so much for your support, for your generosity. And if you want to join the team of supporters, the links to the donation pages are down below. You can support either through my Patreon page or through World Family Mission. Also, if you have not checked out the listener's commentary, I would encourage you to swing over and check that out. That's where I just teach straight through uh, Bible books. I have eight books done. I'm partway through the ninth, and I'm writing the the material out for the book of Luke and begin working through the book of Luke here pretty soon. And um, part of the reason I mentioned that here is because I am beginning to think about how I could create sort of a live question and answer community around the listener's commentary where people who are studying through books using that that resource, if they have questions on something I've taught in that resource or something that I maybe didn't address as they're reading through the Bible book, I'm looking at maybe doing some live Q&As on a regular basis in connection with the listener's commentary. So if, in your own Bible study, your own Bible reading, you've got questions that you would like to get answered. Uh, that would be a great way to do it. So you could subscribe at listenerscommentary.com. You could subscribe to the listener's commentary uh, website, which means you'll get updates when new volumes in the commentary are released. And uh, as I figure out a way to do uh, more live Q&As and provide that, you'll get updates as when those are as well. So if you want to be part of that kind of Bible study community built around the listener's commentary, I would encourage you to go to listenerscommentary.com and subscribe to that. And speaking of questions and question and answer type material, that's my plan for the next few weeks here on The Bible and Life. I'm building out a series really specifically focused on the teaching of Jesus, where uh, if you're reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you've come across something Jesus said that left you scratching your head, and you're like, man, what does Jesus mean by? Well, I'm working on a series to answer some of those questions people have about some of the confusing sayings or confusing teachings of Jesus. So I want to give you a chance to uh, shoot me an email or message me through Instagram or Facebook with your question. And so if there's anything that Jesus has said that you walked away from that, like, man, what does Jesus mean by? 
shoot me that in an email, message me through Instagram or Facebook, and I will add your question to the list for me to explore over the next handful of weeks here on the podcast. All right. With that, let's jump into what I want to explore with you today. This is sort of kind of a one-off, standalone, just not even totally scripted reflections on a topic that is just kind of near and dear to my heart. And it was prompted recently by a social media post and a few other conversations I had that just got me really thinking about uh, this topic uh, uh, again in really a fresh sort of way. And that's that's just church and church leadership and what that means. I, I was reading a social media post just yesterday that um, was from a gal who follows me on social media, even though she's no longer a Christian. She would say that about herself. When I was a Christian. In fact, that's the way this post she wrote started. When I was a Christian, and she talked about how uh, she was regularly encouraged to share the gospel with people, and when she didn't share the gospel, if she missed opportunities, how she felt guilty about that, and how sometimes her church leaders contributed to that guilt and contributed to that shame by using guilt and shame sort of to push her out of her quote-unquote comfort zone to share the gospel. And her final bit of that post was basically like, if you're part of the church and if you're still a follower of Jesus and your church is using guilt and shame to try to get you to do things that just feel uncomfortable to you or feel wrong to you, to really explore that and to even push back a little bit on your church leaders and help your church leaders really form the church to be what the church is supposed to be. And guess what? I 100% agree with her on this. Like, like I have seen the problem. Uh, I've spent almost my entire adult life in you know church leadership and ministry in some form or fashion. And and I've seen sort of the ugly side of church leadership, the dark underbelly of that. I've probably even in various times contributed to it unknowingly because it's not who I want to be in. I'm sure that's true for most pastors that I know, right? I'm sure maybe some, you know, but most, like, they they don't want to be part of that. And yet, sometimes, um, in the church, guilt and shame is used to get people to do things that might be good things, uh, being done in a wrong way. I don't always know how that plays out. Here's what I know is reading that social media post and hearing what she said, I think what she's describing is symptomatic of a really larger and deeper problem. Um, it's symptomatic, I think, of church leadership and church itself kind of getting off track and getting off into the weeds and getting a little bit confused. Even what the church is and what the church is supposed to be. Um, and, and again, at a like explicit level, most pastors, most people in church leadership would have the right definition of church, would have the right understanding of church. Uh, they would probably even have the right understanding of church leadership. But somehow getting involved in doing church, we somehow get twisted around and we get off track and we make some mistakes about what the church is. And 
one of the ways I have seen this play out, in fact, one of the things I'm convinced of is a a real, regular, consistent, continual problem in the church and in church leadership right now in, um, at least in the world I'm familiar with here in America, one of the things I see is this, that we have somehow turned the word church into really a religious organization. Now, again, at a doctrinal level, we know it's not that. We know the church is the people. But in practice, the way we talk about it, the way we think about it, and the way we act, we've turned church into a religious organization, and we've we've made that religious organization primary. And I see this play out like this, where... um, we are trying to get people involved in the church. And we say things like during the announcement time at church, we couldn't do this without you. And I'm listening to that thinking, what what do you mean? Because what we're doing is you, isn't it? Like if the church is the people and the whole goal is to gather people together around Jesus so that we can learn and know and follow Jesus together, then what are we doing that we couldn't do without you? Because we and you were one in this process of learning the way of Jesus together, aren't we, right? But that language speaks of um, that there is something that we need the people to contribute to to get done beyond the people themselves. I, I think that represents a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be the church. And it seems like it's really easy for people whose whole life is spent in church work, i.e. paid professional pastors and church workers, right, to, to get confused about what the church is and think that the church is some sort of religious organization that they are trying to make happen and grow, and that the people exist for the sake of the organization. And that's completely backwards because the church is the people and whatever organizational processes and structures the leadership puts in place is supposed to exist for the sake of the people. Do you hear the difference between that? The people exist to help the organization be and become and do whatever it's supposedly supposed to do or the organization itself and whatever organizational structures are put in place are, are there to help the people become whatever they're supposed to be. Those are two radically different visions of what the church is and what the church is supposed to be and do. And the church leadership revolution, movement that has happened in the last 15, 20 years that has brought certainly some good things with it. I think is also brought with it this darker underbelly of leadership is trying to get the people to do something so the organization can become something so we can grow a great church. And friends, we're just not supposed to grow a great church. We're not. We were never instructed to do that by Jesus. What we were, what we were instructed to do by Jesus was make disciples. Make disciples. Um, disciples are people, 
And all a church is, is a gathering of disciples. That's all a church is, which means a church is just a gathering of people committed to learning the way of Jesus together. That's it. That's what a church is. Now, again, I think explicitly and doctrinally we know that, right? The church is the people. The word ecclesia, the word translated church in the New Testament, all it means is gathering or assembly of people. It's not even a religious word. It doesn't even refer to an organization. It just refers to a gathering of people. It was used of the gathering of the gathering of citizens in a city. It was used of the gathering of the silversmiths or the leather workers. It's just a gathering of people. And for the church, it is just a group of people who have chosen to be disciples of Jesus. That's what a church is. It is people. Um, and so whenever an, a religious organization becomes more important than the people, and the people are existing to make the organization great or make the organization do something, whenever we need the people so that we can do whatever we're trying to do, we've gotten off track, we've gotten off into the weeds, and we've gotten confused, and we've made the organization primary, and the people exist to serve the organization. That's completely backwards. In the New Testament, the people are primary, and whatever leadership and organizational structures there are, those things exist to help people become the kind of people that God has called them to be. And you see this all throughout the New Testament letters. When you read the New Testament letters, you have, catch this, and please take this seriously, you have all sorts of instructions to people. You have almost no, all, literally almost no instructions about what the organization looked like and what the organization did and how the organization ran. We have almost no knowledge of what a Sunday morning gathering looked like for the early churches in the New Testament. We have a little bit of that, but very little. We don't know uh, any organizational processes or any strategic plans for the early church. That's not what they were concerned about. When you read the New Testament letters, what are the New Testament letters trying to do? Really two primary things. They're trying to form the beliefs of a group of people, and they're trying to form the way of life of a group of people. And those two things intrinsically go together because what you believe shows up in the way you live. So the New Testament letters written to churches are addressing people, personal concerns, and their aim is forming people. And so as we think about the church the church really is simply a group of people being formed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God so that they can flesh out the very wisdom and character of God into the world. And here's what that means is that means that the goal of church leadership, the goal of church leadership must always be to form people. As we wrestle with uh, our our processes, as we wrestle with our plans and our structures, the primary goal must never be to grow a great church, by which we mean 
a religious organization. The goal must never be to achieve great objectives for an organization. The goal must always be to form people. So when we look at how our money is being spent, how our time is being spent, how our energy is being spent, when we look at our plans, are all those things primarily driven by and aiming towards forming people? That's That should be the goal of church leadership. Look, I kind of suspect that when the new the, the new earth dawns, right? When eternity dawns and there's a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, I'm pretty certain there's not going to be churches as we think of churches, right? Like we're not going to have churches like we have today because the church as we think of it today, it, it, that's just like, ultimately about just gathering God's people together to celebrate what God has done for us. And that's what we will do for all eternity. Is we, we will be a people now perfectly formed in the ways of God and the wisdom of God. And so church is going to simply be people living together on the new earth the way God always intended us to be. So I kind of suspect there won't be churches the way we currently think of them. Um, and the heart behind all of this, the reason I wanted to reflect on this is I, I think what we need to focus on is we need to focus on churches that actually just form people. Form people. What would it look like to make our greatest endeavor and our greatest ambition growing good humans? Becoming a, a, a kind of place where the one thing we're concerned about is growing good humans, what Jesus called a good tree that produces instinctively and routinely good fruit because from the inside out, it has become like Jesus, right? Like when, when an individual person becomes like Jesus from the inside out, they just routinely produce the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and all of that. When you have a collection of people that are being formed that way, and now they routinely produce good fruit, not just individually, but corporately together. They love one another. They bear one another's burdens. They pray for one another. They spur one another onto love and good deeds. They can confess their sins to one, other, one another because they know there's going to be love and grace and mercy for each other because they're all formed in that. And they know that they're increasingly becoming like Jesus. What would it look like? To form uh, a, a, a church like that, what would it look like to make the, the aim of our, uh, our religious activity, the aim of our organizational efforts, to simply be forming good people after the way of Jesus? That's what it means to make disciples, and that's the mission we've been given. And indeed, that's what you see being the focus of the apostles' church leadership as reflected in the letters they wrote to churches, i.e. to gatherings of people being formed around Jesus. Well, chew on that. Pray through that. Shoot me your feedback on that. Those are things that I have been wrestling with, praying about, and thinking about over the last little while myself. And if you've got specific teachings of Jesus that has left you scratching your head, shoot me that as well. 
I'd love to add your question to the next series that we will begin next week here on The Bible in Life. Thanks for tuning into this episode. God bless you guys. I pray you have a wonderful week in Christ. Take care, and I will talk to you again soon.